0: Good morning and welcome to a new episode of Burn After Pitching, the comedy pitching podcast where we have a group of creators on to pitch their ideas on a subject. It can be a movie. It can be an ice cream flavor. It could be a new governmental system. Who knows? Well, we do know because we've that but this episode <laughs> we could use a new excited. one actually so
1: yeah, we could, yeah.
0: We could, uh, yes a new ice cream flavor i agree andy <laughs> see what <laughs> i did there all right uh-huh. so our panelists for this great new episode which we're calling problematic faves uh refers to the topics not our panelists who are our favorite yeah people. i was about to say like, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we've got first yeah. let's, up, check out, let's but... introduce returning guest he's been on the show at least twice before i believe Give it up for Mr. Yehudi Mercado.
2: Please introduce (laughs) yourself. Yay, me. I think I've only been on once, right? Really? I thought you'd been on twice. I guess then we'll discuss Snyderverse on something.
0: I forget. Was that on yours? That was... I was not on that. You were on that
1: with someone else. Snyder...
3: Together, I think.
1: You were were on two, but I'm always conflating appearances, so you could have been (laughs) twice.
2: I'm a famed crossover... Utility player.
0: So basically Yehudi is bragging here that he does a lot of podcasts. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> Huge. Yeah, this. <laughs> yeah, so many. Hi everybody. I'm Yehudi Mercado. Uh
1: and what just, do you do, Yehudi?
2: I'm a writer, artist, director now. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. What are you directing?
0: Can you talk about it or NDA?
2: Uh yeah, I can talk
0: about it. Why not?
2: Uh I'm writing and directing an original podcast. Pilot for Nickelodeon,
0: based
2: on hey, awesome. original idea.
1: Yeah, animated.
0: Yeah, animated. Producer, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh,
3: that's awesome. Man, yeah, I'm glad
0: we're getting you on the show now because you're going to
3: be right. too I famous
1: know. for us pretty soon.
2: <laughs> Wait, I wasn't already shit. Yeah,
1: I mean you were the most <laughs> famous person. I don't know. You <laughs> are now even famouser. Animated.
2: There yeah. we go. uh Yeah, and I write and illustrate graphic novels for middle grade audience and I yep. uh, shit talk on Twitter. <laughs> Wait,
0: That's the best way to be. Yeah. All right, next up we have, now she's a regular on this show. Please give it up for Miss Sandra Demas. Yay!
3: Yay! Yeah, I love hanging out with the, the Grand Geek Gathering family. Y'all are so rad. Um, my other family is the Story Geeks, so we dive deep into stories, and you know what? We just really love... Uh, kind of unpacking every single theme and seeing how it kind of um, helps us see the culture at large. So that's what we do there at the story geeks. And I'm also a book editor. And uh, if you see me on social media, I am at, Hey, it's Sandra D. You can find all my other things that I'm up to like dancing and skating and being a shenanigator.
1: (laughs) Oh, I I love that word. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal Shenanigator. I like that one.
3: You may borrow the title. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a really cool Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles character.
3: Shenanigator? <laughs> like, Shenanigator.
0: kind of like, you know, like... Or, a yeah, like alligator Wayne on T-Man's roller skates. Oh. The sh- yeah, yeah.
3: An yeah, evil just like I want to be on Jem like maybe, like, um, instead of the misfits, like, if we have another band. That oh, the shenanigators. yeah! The shenanigators.
1: Oh, my god, yeah! Jim should have had like an ultra techno band too that was like, yes. really cool but kind of soulless. They could have been the shenanigators, <laughs>
3: yes. yeah.
1: That would be outrageous, truly, <laughs> truly <laughs> outrageous.
3: <laughs> We'd Is have that gonna to be our
1: surprise energy. pitch? Pitch yeah. the other rival band on Gem and the Holograms.
2: That's actually a great idea. <laughs>
0: That's pretty good. Maybe we'll get back to that. All right. So s- thank you, Sandra, for coming back on. And now a new guest on the show, my old friend from the roller derby scene, Ms. Annika Klein. Please introduce yourself to our listeners.
4: Hello. Um. My name is Annika Beronti Klein, and I am a writer and a former roller derby ref. And unlike Mike, I cannot roller skate. Um, <laughs> Which is why I was a referee. Uh, Let's see. What else do I do? I yell on the internet, um, (laughs) which I think is probably true of all of us. I do not go on podcasts. I think this is the second time I have ever done this. Um, Wow. So I'm probably going to mess it up. Uh there's, yeah. there's literally you can't no way
2: up to off. mess with this show. You can't mess <laughs> I up. will
4: find a way. I'm gonna invent a new way. <laughs> um I write short stories, some of which you can read on the internet. Uh I write young adult novels, none of which you can currently read, um, hopefully someday. And I have a new story that is in the current issue of Asimov's science fiction, which I hear is kind of a big deal.
0: Nice. It's a big
1: deal. I big think so, yeah. Topic, yeah.
0: What, what's this story about?
4: Uh, it is a story about an irritated young person working at a zoo as a tour guide who figures out that something is wrong with the Arctic animals.
0: Oh, that's intriguing. I am intrigued. Yeah. This is fantastic. This is this you can buy this magazine on newsstands right now, correct?
4: You absolutely can. It is the May June edition 2021.
1: Wow. I love it because it it seems most sci-fi zoo stories end with it was the humans who were on display the whole time. <laughs> and it sounds like you've got I don't want to
4: spoil the ending, but that is <laughs> not the case in this story.
0: Nice.
1: Well, I guess I'm still interested.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Despite that. Yeah.
1: Who are the real and zookeepers, really?
0: Who keepers the keepers? Who keeps mm-hmm. the keepers? That, that's what I meant. I'm going to edit that to make it sound like I said. There you yeah, the definitely there go. Definitely edit this
4: to make yourself and me, please, <laughs> sound
0: cool. 100% I do that all the time. Um, <laughs> and finally, my my buddy,
1: our regular,
0: Woo. our pal,
1: Andy Nordvall, tell us what's going hello, on. Hello, hello. Welcome to everyone. God, this yeah. is... I mean, it's getting to the point where I might actually get to see people in real life. But until then, this is such a great substitute for a social life. You know, (laughs) I hang with friends. I meet new people. This is actually superior to how well I could socialize prior to the pandemic. So (laughs) we'll see how I adjust.
0: Yeah, people are saying that, like, we're going to be all really awkward once we start socializing again. But I don't know. I feel like we might be a little bit more honed. Like we're 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 not gonna we're we're not gonna waste time on the mishigosh. We're gonna get yeah. right to it
1: because we just want that <laughs> connection. I think people are really forgetting how awkward we already were before the pandemic.
2: Yeah, yeah right? this is like us staying at home and then at conventions finally talking to people. Like yeah.
3: I, I hope though that it will kind of level the playing field that everyone is awkward. It's like, yes, you know, everyone's going to just be like oversharing. For me, I keep joking that I can't go back into the office because I'm feral. Um, and that's how <laughs> I feel now. I'm like, I've got to wear, well, I, I still don't, but you know, pants, right? So like, that's a Yuck, thing. And, and um, being presentable from like the waist down, <laughs> 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 that part of me, I have to address. Uh, Yeah, I'm
4: looking forward now that I am vaccinated to not doing things because I choose not to do things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like I was able to get uh, mine a little slightly earlier than folks, my age group, just through um, through my wife's work. Um, So I've so I've been fully vaxxed for a while now, but it still means it just means there's less anxiety. Um, yeah, like right, we exactly. Ate, we ate at an outdoor restaurant last weekend for my birthday, and it was weird, but it was fine because <laughs> we were the only table, like in like literally like a twenty foot radius because we got there like brunch at eleven. Um, How was the at waiter Bevin situation.
2: Normally, cause uh, the thing is, the waiters I will feel bad for. It
0: like, was good because I know I not to pat myself on the back, but I felt like we were very good about getting our masks back on before they got. Within okay. a danger zone, um, yeah. it, it was weird because they kind of assumed that we knew the protocols, which was like their menus are on a QR code that you scan and brings up on your phone. Um, oh, which like what kind of futuristic yeah, stuff is right? That but also, like they didn't say anything about it. They just yeah. like were like, "You gotta scan yeah. it on your phone." And I'm like i, I oh, sorry. Sorry. It's my first time out. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, but that was we've fine. A, you know,
2: yeah. We've been in a, a bunker for a year. I've so been yeah.
0: in a bunker since before QR codes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I, and I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a tech person. So i had to ask my wife, I was like, I don't, I know my phone can read QR codes, but I don't know how to get it to. So she had to show me like, Oh, you have to like select this and develop. Blah, blah. But uh, that was, that was my fault. Um, but yeah, it, it was weird, but it just, like, being fully vaccinated, just feel a little bit less anxiety. Um, I still, like, I'm not going to be an asshole. Like, I'm still wearing my mask whenever I go out. Um, oh,
4: absolutely. So,
1: yeah. So, yeah, it's weird. I have, it's to weird have times.
4: kids under 16, so.
1: Oh, there you go. They are oh, not yeah, eligible for the Oh, yeah, we got one under fax. 16. We're, we're waiting until she can do it. Absolutely.
4: And one of my kids is under 12, which means that even when it has opened up to teenagers, I'm going to have one unvaccinated kid. So I'm like, uh, well, damn. thank goodness. Still don't have yeah. to do anything. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's got to be weird. Yeah. I wonder when they're going to open that up to the younger age group. Because Pfizer, aren't they testing six and up at this point? Uh,
4: I know it. Pfizer has been approved for 12 and up. Okay. And I assume they're testing uh, younger. Yeah. But I also assume that they will open it up to 12 to 16 next or 12 to 15 next
1: Nice. They need to get the vaccine gummy form. That would that's that's going to help on a lot <laughs> of levels. Flintstones chewable. I was just going to say Flintstones.
2: Yeah.
1: Just
0: they should start yeah. doing commercials with like I don't know. Kids don't know who the Flintstones are anymore. Yeah. yeah.
1: Kids don't know what commercials <laughs> are funny. anymore. Yeah. That's true. Why is this ad playing in the middle of our video? I thought we had premium. Yeah. Um, yeah. This isn't YouTube. Football. What is this?
0: Oh man, I got logged out of my YouTube account and without realizing it and was watching a video and an ad came up and I got so pissed. I was like, what is this horse shit? What is this commercial? And I was like, oh, I got logged out. And We streamed
4: a movie that was free with ads the other night and I haven't seen a commercial since I don't remember when. And I spent the whole time going, have commercials gotten really good or have I gotten... Really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I still don't know the answer.
2: Did you buy whatever? Well, somebody
1: has YouTube ads. It, it's weird. Like everybody says how scarily intelligent the algorithms are getting, but you will still get the same ad 20 times in a row. Oh yeah. And yeah, I don't I guess, guess it's like all ads for I didn't buy thing. it the I first it time. Like I'm insurance. not buying it the 20th time.
4: Right. Right. Wait, what were the
1: ads
2: for Annika?
4: I think it was insurance. I mean, it was something I absolutely do not need.
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: Mm. Yeah,
3: I'll, I'll get YouTube ads for like something very conservative, yeah. <laughs> conservative, and I'm like, I'm sorry.
2: Well, it's like I bought a tofu press on Amazon, and now all they show me is more tofu presses. It's like how many I
4: had that have? with a camera, and I thought, you know, there are accessories yeah. you could try to sell me.
1: You are clearly a tofu press you're, collector. You're right? <laughs> to the choir. I already bought the thing.
2: Well, I also have an air fryer. Yeah, oh, butter, air, fryer, air, fryer. air
1: fryer tofu is the best. Like if you have yeah. an air fryer, do your tofu in the air fryer. It's great. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I like fried tofu in general. I've
4: so. been frying my tofu in oil, like some sort of like a sucker. Book. Yeah. You <laughs> some sort air fryer. of total sucker who has not seen any commercials for air fryers.
0: You're watching the wrong shows. You got to yeah. watch. Uh, I watch a lot of <laughs> air fryer recipe YouTube shows. So you, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. watch that, you'll get ads yeah, for air fryer. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So, since we did talk about it already, how about this surprise pitch? Is pitch a new rival band for Gem and the Holograms? Because Gem and the Holograms—they've never really gone away. Well, they went away, but they—they they came back. They had a movie, which you can listen to a great podcast on the Grand Geek Ga- Gathering about the Gem movie that they recorded just a few weeks ago. Just search Grand Geek Gathering Gem movie. You'll find it. It's funny. Um, <laughs> And I think they still do Gem Comics, and uh, I think Super so. Seven is doing a uh, Gem retro action figures, like three and three. three size. Yeah, it's a two pack with Gem and uh, the lead singer of the Misfits, who I don't know um, what that character's name was. But the Misfits were the rival band; their songs were arguably better. But if our panelists had to pick a new rival band for Gem and the Holograms, what would it? What kind of music would it be? What would be like? The uh, like the kind of characteristics of the band. I'm going to give you guys literally one second to think about it before we go into it. Who wants to go first?
2: Uh, I think I got it. I got one. All right, you <laughs> Uh So mine would be called Jam, J A M, and oh. it would be like a dad garage rock band.
1: <laughs>
2: so it's like like forty year old dads who you know wear jeans. Are we talking place. fish covers? Uh no, they cover gem songs. So they think oh. they do gem better than gem. And they sort of become famous on TikTok of being like this dad band, Jam. And they uh they give Jem a run for their money.
0: Incredible. I like it.
2: Yeah.
0: Jem cool. versus Jam. Yeah. Jem Jam. All right, who wants to go next?
1: I could do <laughs> I'm thinking something like maybe Raft Sunk, a French techno duo. And we never find out who they are because they wear these helmets. And uh their techno music actually has subliminal messages that make people do crimes. And then oh. we find out the secret, which is Raft Punk is not the people. It is the helmets. Anyone who puts on the helmet becomes part of the AI collective that is Raft Punk. So it's it's they That's have to they have to capture helmets. the helmets before the zombified hordes of Raft Punk fans uh take care of Jem and the holograms. That's my pitch. That's pretty amazing. I like that a lot. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, anyone else got one? Yeah, I'll go. Uh,
4: I'm going to recycle something from my past here. When I was in sixth grade, we would spend snow days with our neighbor. Uh, so my mom could go to work. And so it was me and my younger sister and our neighbor, Julia, who was about halfway between our ages. And as most sort of, nine to 12-year-old girls probably do, I have no idea, we decided to form a band. Um, and we called ourselves the Unicorn Dazzles, <laughs> cool. which if you ask me is probably the best band name anyone has ever come up with. Damn. And I feel like if we just tweaked that a little bit and made them actually unicorns, ah. that would work in the Gem in the Holograms universe.
1: And was it All Unicorn right. Dazzles or Unicorn Jazzles?
4: It was Dazzles, but, you know, for, for the purpose of Gem and the Holograms, I think we could probably make it Jazzles because I love I really them. like
1: Jazzles. I'll yeah.
4: go
0: with Unicorn Jazzles.
4: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Thank you.
0: Like, they come through the portal, and it's kind of like you think they're like My Little Pony, um, but <laughs> really they're kind of nefarious. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board. Oh <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sandra, do you have one?
3: Yeah, you know, I'm going to go yeah. with the original one that I said, The Shenanigators. I just like that name. or um, So The Shenanigators, and I think that it should be um, Synergy as the lead singer and all the band right. members are um, holographic and it's all just super synthed out. Um, but because their name is Shenanigators, they should be like the antithesis to the Misfits. Um, so they're not mean and angry they're actually silly and goofy, and they're kind of like <laughs> nice. a synth version it. of Fly to the. So Camp they become friends they're with Jem. there for a good time. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Like this is all about like female empower- empowerment. They're super down for like shenanigans and being cool and like ha- helping everyone have a good time.
1: I like that because we're all thinking rival bands, but you're like, hey, give Jem some friends, you know? Yeah, let them have a crew to hang out with. Let them like co-headline shows.
3: <laughs> Yeah, and it can be well, I mean they're all holographic, but they can be um, you know, they can just be pals so they're not trying to like set stuff on fire like the Misfits or, you know, be jerks. And it was Pizzazz by the way. I think that was the the Misfits. That sounds singer familiar.
1: <laughs>
0: all right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to throw mine out there. Um because I don't know if you guys know this, but the there is the shared Hasbro cartoon universe. That's right. Where G.I. Joe, Transformers, in um, uh, Inhumanoids, they all take place in the same universe. I would do, the, the new rival band would be from the classic G.I. Joe episode, Cold Slither, which is Cold Slither, which is actually the dreadnoughts in disguise as a heavy metal band, oh, yeah. who put subliminal music into their songs. So That's they would right. be, so it would be Cold Slither versus Jim and the Holograms. Um, I like it. Yeah, because I'm a, I'm a big G.I. Joe nerd, so work it in. <laughs> Panelists, yeah. we have solved the issue that we created for ourselves of Jem needing a new <laughs> rival band to play off of. Now we're going to tackle...
4: <laughs> it turns yeah. out the real answer was friendship.
0: Yeah, the, re- the real problem they had to tackle was friendship. Now we're going to tackle a problem that's going to be much easier, and that's talking about and fixing some of our problematic favorites. Um, so we talked to all the panelists are, uh, kind of gave them a rundown, a little bit more free form. So you can, so panelists can pitch like a big idea to fix something they love that's problematic or like just small tweaks. And we're, we're just going to talk about it. I I like to, I'll go with my kind of, my go-to example, um, is one of my favorite movies is the monster squad. It's like, it's Goonies and the classic universal monsters. It's a fun, Kid adventure movie that is uh overflowing with horrific eighties homophobia like it is uncomfortable to watch that movie no oh. um but yes uh, yeah fat phobia also the fat phobia but horace gets uh he gets his moment to shine uh so there's at least like a little bit of uh it's not as bad um as the homophobia I'd say and I say that as a fat person um, so. <laughs> Monster Squad, the two leads say some horrifically homophobic stuff in in, in this movie, and my, there's no fix for what's already been done, like with that. So my idea, because I'm Monster Squad fan, every Monster Squad fan has a pitch for a sequel to Monster Squad. It's true, like literally, what? if you whisper it on Twitter, you'll have a million Monster Squad fans saying, like, I've got an idea for a sequel, like, and they all think it's novel. It's not, um, but so as part of that course of monster squad monster squad sequels that we would love to see my monster squad sequel adults and we find out the two leads Sean and Patrick uh their homophobia was actually a mask and as adults they they came out to each other and they're now a couple raising a family um it's a. It's. It doesn't fix the past, but at least makes it like, oh, like, well, we kind of can deal with it in this way now, in 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 the future, in a sequel, um, and in that sequel, they all have kids, but now they're instead of it's the instead of the classic Universal monsters, it's now analogs to the modern uh, movie monsters. So there's a analog to Freddy, an analog to Jason, an analog to the Xenomorph, uh, that are all kind of like through the plot reasons start coming after their kids and they have to get the squad back together and fight the new monsters Um, (laughs) due to plot reasons. reasons. I mean, I don't (laughs) want to bore everyone, but I literally have a beat sheet for the sequel that could never, ever possibly be made. Anyway, so that's kind of, that's kind of the, the theming. Um, that that kind of fixing the problematic issues, uh, but we also can go back in time and fix the casting or change a plot element that's problematic. So, which one of our panelists would like to tackle their um, their problematic fave first?
2: Uh, I can go. All right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like yeah, my big thing would be changing casting, and then I have an idea for a reboot quill. Uh-huh. So first, like. You know, my big thing, you know, I'm a Mexican, born in Mexico, like having Latinx representation is my torch that I will forever be lighting and going after Hollywood for. So like things like, you know, like that terrible movie Peppermint with uh, Jennifer Garner, like the action, you know, like, like movies mm-hmm. like that. It's like yeah, your yeah. classic example of like, oh, a white innocent family is gunned down by scary Mexicans, like aren't, aren't Mexicans scary? Like, <laughs> like, okay, you can, you can do a fun, you can do a action movie with scary drug dealers, but just make the family Mexican. Like most of the gun violence and gang violence is after Latinx families anyway. Like to invent like this, like white family that like now that they've gone too far, they've gone after a white family. Like, like I've, that, I hate all that stuff. So even there's an upcoming mm-hmm. reboot of, Mosquito Coast with uh, Justin Thoreau and I know oh, I know wow. it's his like his uncle wrote the book and he's mm-hmm. he's re-, re he's remaking it but they're sort of making it where the Mexican drug cartel is after this white family like it, it it's like and I am just so <laughs> sick of that trope and uh and it, and so yeah like a lot could be fixed with all you got to do is make your heroes also Mexican and then it'll be fine uh, and even going to that movie, the Vince Vaughn, uh, the body swap horror comedy that just came out, Freaky, Freaky. So, like, in Freaky, like, they the sort of MacGuffin magical element is this Aztec dagger, and it's like that's not as egregious as like Peppermint, <laughs> but like, okay, if you're gonna use this Aztec dagger as your MacGuffin, just make the lead character uh, Latina, like, what you know. I feel like like so much could be solved uh, with all these microaggressions if you just cast like a Latinx actor. So one of the biggest ones that I would go back and try to magically change is Nacho Libre. Like Nacho Libre, like it's great. Nacho Libre is funny. It's great. Jack Black is amazing. But like him and Brownface, yeah, Jack Black, him and Brownface is just so bad. Like. So, like, yeah, definitely recast yeah, that with a Mexican I mean, character. And
1: well, who do you have anyone in mind for the recast of uh, Nacho Libre?
2: Well, that kind of goes into what my bigger pitch is. It's like, uh, let me get, let me dive into okay. the bigger pitch. So, the, my bigger pitch would be a reboot to the movie Three Amigos.
0: Okay. So,
2: the
4: classic, 19.
2: You have my attention. you know, Steve Martin, Martin Short, Chevy Chase.
4: All notoriously Mexican. Everybody remembers the premise. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Egregious, egregiously Mexican.
4: Yeah, I
3: saw yeah. them at the, the uh, Ganezada. So, yeah, the
2: premises <laughs> of that is, like, these white actors in Hollywood making silent films, dressing like mariachi, get mistaken to be, like, real Old West heroes. They go to Mexico, fight real, like, El Guapo and his evil Mexican gang. Uh, but these villagers think they're really like the heroes they are portrayed on movie screen. So my reboot cool.
1: It's Galaxy Quest, but a Western. Is, uh, Bugs Life.
2: Yeah. Uh, so my reboot cool would be do a present day sequel of that movie. But so you have El Guapo, uh, was the bad guy in the first one. So now you have his sister, uh, La Bonita, and she's out for revenge for the people that the the three amigos, the, 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 dastardly Americans who killed her brother and tone wise, I'm sort of picturing it more like hot fuzz, you know, like action comedy. Okay. Uh, but you know, real yes. stakes, you know, and the fun part of the original three mm-hmm. amigos is they had those magical elements too, like singing, the bush, singing bush. And, uh, invisible night. Right. Like, yeah. You know, like, uh, So you could have fun with that also, but so but you know, this would be like very much like a hot fuzz or Shaun of the Dead, like like you know, fast paced, but real, you know, real stakes to the action. And so now La Bonita, like I picture her being played by like Sama Hayek. Like, you know, I like it when Sama Hayek's funny. So she's sort of like this, like, you know, the 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 sister of El Guapo and she's out for revenge and she goes to California to Hollywood, and this is all like in the nineteen twenties to go after the three amigos, but instead, you know, you have the almost like the reverse misidentification. She goes after their stunt doubles. <laughs> and so it's their stunt doubles who are actual Mexicans. So you have Michael Pena, <laughs> Harvey Guillen, and Eugenio Derbez as the stunt doubles of the three amigos. Wow. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> I yeah, was
2: yeah. hoping
3: you would pick Eugenio.
2: And I think that would be like, that would be amazing. Cause it would be like, you know, it still fits in the world, in the universe you've created from the original, but it it, it fixes all the problematic elements from from the, the original movie. And you have these three funny, like, if people don't know who Harvey Guillen is, he's Guillermo from What We Do in the Shadows. And so that to answer your reboot yeah. of Nacho Libre or you know, if do it again with Harvey Guillen and that would be amazing. But yeah, you have fun with yeah. like, you know
3: Oh I love this, it.
2: You know, Salma Hayek is this like Mexican drug lord or, you know, gang lord invading Hollywood in the nineteen twenties and you can have all kinds of fun with like meeting other silent film stars and like like Michael Peña and and Eugenio being like these like yeah. bumbling, you know uh stunt doubles, you know. they but they're tough also because they are stunt doubles. So like they can actually handle themselves in the action. And it's finally their time to shine and become the heroes that they've only.
4: I love been it because up. they would have to be extremely competent in their jobs, yeah. but they could still be ridiculous people. Yeah.
2: Like they could actually do the the, the, the the trick gunshots and all the like leaping from horses and all the stuff. Yeah.
0: That's pretty amazing. So, yeah. Uh, I also, it would be interesting to see, to do something with, to reverse it even more is have when uh, someone Hayek like comes to Hollywood, she's maybe mistaken. Um, for yeah. an actress, um, yeah, you could kind of do that. Even though the that's even though the timeline's off, you could do uh, something with kind of like what Rita Moreno experienced, where she just was catch all foreign, where like yeah. she could be cast as Polynesian, she yeah. be cast as Mexican, Spanish. Um,
2: uh, oh, that's great! And then you could have it where it's almost like she realizes, like, oh, she could make more money as an actress, right? Right, where she than, kind of a she feels leader, a niche
0: like, uh, in in twenties Hollywood. Um, yeah. So she becomes like famous, like yeah, she like, has the not air just air famous, song, but infamous yeah. in Hollywood.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And I would call this.
1: she could be like a yeah. Russian yeah. countess. She could just, uh, I would call, uh, call it anymore. three more amigos. Three more amigos. That's pretty great.
2: Three more. I amigos. like it. Very good. Make it happen, Hollywood.
1: Do would would there be cameos by Steve Martin, Chevy, and, Mar- okay. and uh, Martin just to sort of. Uh, yeah, maybe also just sort of make fun of the, how should I put it, the uh, the hypocrisy of the first one that never really yeah. got addressed, you know?
2: Uh, I Maybe just CGI. I mean, because, like, I see this being, like, you know, only a couple of years later.
1: But yeah.
0: Those guys are too old. Man. I bet it, w- it could really work, at least with Martin Short, mm-hmm. it's have Martin Short in it, like, unrecognizable, like, as a character.
2: Well, I, they would, yeah, it would be funny if they played other characters. Yeah, like yeah. Other like Martin Short as a Hollywood agent. You
0: could be Jiminy yeah. Glick. <laughs>
4: I don't think yeah. anybody wants to work with Chevy Chase. Yeah, you'll have...
2: <laughs> yeah, I, have say, I don't think he'll make like it. Like yeah, well, speaking just of problems, yeah. Murdered, you know.
4: yeah. Or you just yeah. cast someone else and just never <laughs> show his face. Make a, yeah. a thing out of, you know, like when you have a pregnant actress on TV and she's always holding a big purse or something.
3: Right. Just always
4: have something over his
3: face. You
2: just frame his face out of shot. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I just want to say when when you were starting your pitch, I thought you were going to do something that... I was tempted to do, to do, but I'm like, no, I don't know if I can pitch something because I know this is beloved, but to recast and redo The Emperor's New Groove, Ooh, yeah, yeah. That, it, so I thought you were going <laughs> there. I'm like, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, no, I didn't.
2: Yeah, that's definitely. But, one um, I'm yeah, totally I, I. Yeah, yeah. People don't understand, like you know, people love that movie, but it's I like, know, yeah, I that, know. Came out it was such mm-hmm. a slap in the face. It's like to David Spade is a like, representation of south american yeah yeah i I hated that
1: also john goodman and what patrick oh yeah there's
2: not one latino actor in it i don't think yeah
1: yeah and on that Uh, note
3: um i could go next because we're already talking about disney so i'm going to talk about a different one now i've got to say like this film it was very special to me for um particular reason um it was very um just popular you know in as I was growing up um and I loved that we were finally gonna see a Native American represented on on film in an animated feature but the fact that Disney took um a historical figure and completely demolished the 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 history like of, of what she went through and what her people went through and, and totally created like this white savior. Narrative. Well, wait,
1: they killed the one bad white guy. So <laughs> racism was know, solved. What are you complaining <laughs> about in the early days?
3: We did it guys. We did it. Um, so this obviously is Pocahontas. Um, I, you know, it, it was one of those things where even though I was a teenager and, and I knew like, I, I knew that the history wasn't correct, but I also knew that this was m- like the only representation Kind of one of very few um, films of popular status that would be out there. So it's almost like you've got slim pickings. So it was kind of like in the 90s, you know, it's like you don't have a lot of representation. So whatever you do have, it's almost like being Mm -hmm. satisfied with that. I mean, at least that's Mm -hmm. how I felt growing up. Like this is the kind of closest. And I know it's wrong, but it's also Disney. And so people understand that they have taken severe creative liberties with actual history. Um, You know, I think the issue is that they should have not taken um, someone from history, but just tried to tell a story of native people and, and try to do better. Um, But if we redo, like if we have a live action, because it's one of very few um, Disney animated features from the nineties that hasn't already been, um, turned into a live action film or plans to turn into a live action film. Um if this were to happen, um that it's redone, then it's closer to history. Um, that it's showing a, a young Pocahontas, which that wasn't her her birth name book, but, but showing her, maybe showing even how she lost her mother. And and that's um very true to Disney where you have a character, you know, losing their parents. So maybe there's at the beginning uh, opening scene that's something that happens. Um, where we see that, that she loses her mother and now it's just her and her father. And of course, her dad had a bunch of other kids too. Um, but we see her being the appropriate age. She's younger. She's a teenager. Um, she doesn't save John Smith. She does marry Kokoam, She does have a child by him. Um, and so we see more of that. And the story really stays um, with her people and she doesn't fall in love She doesn't leave um, and go to England and then eventually marry um, John Rolfe. Like none of that happens, but she's there. And the whole story stays with her people and shows that she did have that dream of these clouds coming. And so kind of showing her um, being in tune with, with nature and being in tune with her people and being able to have these signs and help prepare her people for what's to come—that we see that, and that the the Disney ending is really her just trying to show the colonists how to be, um, really just how to care for the earth and how to care for each other, how to live, you know, as one with nature and in awe of creation, you know, and rather rather than looking at how to like rape and pillage the earth and its people. She is there to try. Now, of course we know it didn't happen, but she's there to try to help the colonists understand that there should be respect for earth and respect for people and respect for, for their culture and and for what the native people, like how they live and to not indoctrinate them. Um, That would be my story. Like just redo it, tell it so that it doesn't go any, any further into the reality of the situation because it's not going to be a happy film. Like, showing her being kidnapped showing her husband being killed and her child being left behind and her being raped and bearing a child and very likely being murdered by her husband or, you know, the English people, um, you know, that's not going to make it yeah. into a film, but make it just about. <laughs> I don't think yeah. Disney would approve. <laughs> like, well, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure what yeah. the song there is. Yeah,
3: <laughs> You know, Colors of the Wind though, there is so much there in that song. I think that's a beautiful song. And yeah. and so the essence of the film should be that, like her trying to convey this to the colonists, like, let me show you another way to live and another way to be where you're not trying to just make a profit and profit off of people and land, but you're trying to live in community and live um, at peace and live with, I mean, just to appreciate nature in the way that is expressed in that song you know, to try to convey that to the colonists. Of course, they don't learn that, but that would be where the film has to end so that it is a Disney film, but at least it's a little truer to the actual history. And there's no, there doesn't have to be a romantic thing, but if there is that it's appropriately with Cocoa, but that she's, you know, she's younger too. She doesn't have to be um, motivated by romance even, Um, but just motivated by being the chiefs daughter and, and the the status that she has there and um the influence that she has
0: now there. have you seen um the New World uh that movie from, oh god probably like ten years ago now? Oh like um think longer ago.
2: Um
0: that feels a little bit closer to what you're describing. Although it still has, like, uh-huh. it's very much about, you know.
2: Yeah, it's from Colin's point yeah, of view. Yeah, Colin's
0: point of view. But it at least has age-appropriate Pocahontas. Um And uh-huh. I, if memory serves, it's not, there's there's no romance elements of it. Although it, it is kind of that weird, I mean, as much as, like, Ghost World is a romance, um, like, kind of weird, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. younger woman, like, working with an older man, like, weird dynamics. Um, that's, like, Terrence Malick, great yeah. filmmaker, very um, uh,
1: ponderous. I guess would be the way. Like, cont- I was gonna like... say
4: contemplative. Yeah. Yes. I don't know
1: which of us mm-hmm. is pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, I'm guessing you. Yeah.
2: yeah, I like the idea of like almost like painting, painting a future we could have had in a way. You know, mm, like sure. hey, what yeah. if we didn't rape the earth? Like, yeah, what would this land be? Yeah. Like?
3: like? yeah. And then it's up to the viewer to infer that. Yeah, we went with. With a plan A, which is totally hosing us, had we gone with Plan B, you know, like what the, what they were presenting, then then we would have been better off. But yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the that is truer and more respectful of of the history and, and of the people. um But it doesn't switch the narrative so that it shows that the colonists did make the better decision because they didn't. So
2: right.
3: it it doesn't create the yeah. savior storyline that never happened. All right. Did did you have any other any other one, Sandra? No, just that one. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah, just perfect.
0: <laughs> all right.
2: Would you also call it Pocahontas or
3: Uh w- would I call it Pocahontas, yeah, yeah, I mean it could be called that similar to Mulan, you yeah. know, being um mm-hmm. live action. I think the music would be beautiful. Um I used to go to Powwows all the time growing up and stuff, so I just I would love to hear um you know powwow music (laughs) in a film like that would be um that would be wonderful and I think obviously yes casting um native people and even hearing um the language and seeing what um what the territory looked like at the time because there wasn't this beautiful cliff to dive off of um, you know so just all of it being truer to to history I think would be wonderful
0: yeah yeah totally um, t- t- that just made me kind of think about how like the 90s were oddly like a pretty interesting time for Native American representation in movies um, where I feel like it's fallen off completely um, like literally like the last uh, like native-driven movie I can think of is Blood Quantum, which is a zombie movie, which is a very great zombie movie. It's also Canadian, um, but it's primarily a, a, a native cast about native people. Um, but, like, I can't think of the last movie.
4: I think I've heard um, of a lot of Canadian indigenous cinema, but I don't think most of it yeah, yeah. makes it too
0: I, mean, like like-
2: I Rutherford Falls, I would recommend yeah. watching that. I've I've I've
0: heard good things about it from you and some other folks. All the real people I've heard talk about it have really <laughs> liked it, but all the reviews yeah. have just like crapped on it. But same way, like <laughs> oh, I
2: didn't even see reviews. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw oh, two yeah.
0: two reviews that were just like you know this this show fails to take off on Peacock, like that kind of terrible um, headline. <laughs> <laughs> but like everyone who I know who's actually watched it has really uh, really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah. And also Resident Alien has some great oh, native actors. Good for them. Yeah. Cool. yeah. yeah,
1: It always sucks when the reviewer goes for the cheap pun, you know?
3: You know, and I think I think with the, the 90s, I remember this. I mean, it was like when I was coming of age, and, and I remember that I think people were trying, but they were still messing up the messaging. So mm-hmm. I think Pocahontas yeah. was a good example of trying to show that the colonizers didn't get it, yeah right but like can but can we still look good though guys can we still like win at the end somehow like and so i think that's what we got a lot of the hollywood ending of course Mm -hmm. right but you know but when you do that with historical figures that's incredibly problematic and then when you do it with a a people group that is severely underrepresented even more so so that's the thing where it's like if you take history and you change um, you know, you change JFK or you change, I don't know, Capote or whoever. It's like it doesn't it isn't as, as significant of a of an ache because yeah. you have a lot of representation for white. Men. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I wonder if Dances with Wolves is what like that probably kicked off the 90s sort of uh, Native American craze. But like even that was like from the white man's perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. all about like, yeah. who, who's your main character and what's their POV.
1: Yeah, I always wonder what to do with the well-meaning, but not quite first stab at representation, which, yeah, usually done by the white male creator. Like, I'm yeah. I'm thinking my, my thought is like Black Panther, which, you know, eventually became a great movie that I think got a lot of things right. But if you go back to the old 60s, like Stan Lee comic books, like. I don't want to doubt them because they meant well, you know, they wanted yeah. a black superhero good for them, but you know, some stuff didn't, it would have been nice if they had some other voices in the room to point out some things they should yeah. not have done.
0: Yeah.
1: I thought you were t- you going to be talking about the black Panther movie with
0: uh, Martin Freeman,
1: <laughs> Oh yeah. the,
0: which the, I heard a great joke when black Panther came out, uh, which was like black Panther is a hit for Marvel, which means of course we'll see more Martin Freeman movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I know, yeah. The real hero. They you know, they, they like we, we negotiated them down to 1, you know, like.
2: <laughs> well, did you see that uh when uh, Eddie Murphy was talking about coming to America that uh, the original they made oh, him yeah. Paramount said we'll fund it, but you have to have at least one white character. Oh, that's why that's put Anderson.
0: Anderson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And yeah. I love that they did actually bring him back in in the sequel. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because I love Louis Anderson. I mean, it's weird dumping on Louie Anderson getting work. Because you know, great. But yeah, it is weird that like he he was the one white guy they had to have. Yeah.
0: But all right. <laughs> so Andy, Annika, who wants to go? You guys can duke it out.
4: Usually, I don't prepare for things. That's just sort of how I how I accomplish anything is, don't prepare at all, figure it out five minutes beforehand. But I was really nervous about coming up with something for this so i thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and i discarded several ideas but i'm going to tell you about my discarded ideas um my first idea was to recast lord of the rings and the hobbit and also to cut the hobbit down to a 90 minute movie without any of the nonsense yay Um, well you know i could do you know the thing that made me so mad about the hobbit at first because i thought the first half hour of the first movie was really good and then it just all went to shit the Uh, thing that made me so mad is that all the dwarfs were white men like there's absolutely no reason whatsoever that they need to be white or men anyway so i discarded that one because i was like "Eh, whatever like that's my whole pitch is just recast it and cut it down to 90 minutes uh and then i was like okay well my absolute most problematic favorite thing is westerns like It's really hard for me as a middle-aged white woman to be like, yeah, I really love (laughs) colonialist fantasies. (laughs) You know, like, I really love these movies about how great white men are.
0: Manifest Destiny movies are my secret fave. Oh, (laughs)
4: yeah, exactly. But I was like, well, okay, but I could probably, like, pick a Western and fix it. I know I'll do another remake of Rio Bravo because... um. Mm -hmm. Uh, Howard Hawks did that, so why can't I, right? He made, like, three versions. I'll make another one, and this time it'll be, like, women who help him. Wait a minute, I just made, like, I I reinvented High Noon, which is the movie that he hated so much, he made Rio Bravo in the first place. (laughs) So I was like, no, no, okay, not that. Okay, I'll do the sequel (laughs) we've all been waiting for to Silverado. Oh! Right? And now... Stella and Hannah and Ray and Phoebe run the town. And, you know, and I was like, you know what, though? If I keep going with this, I'm just going to be depressed that there wasn't a sequel to Silverado. (laughs) I feel
0: like you might be the only person in the world to ever say that sentence. Not that I don't like Silverado. Definitely I am not.
4: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I... I went to a sold-out screening of Silverado in 70mm at, uh, I think it was the Arrow Theater, and I am definitely (laughs) not the only one. (laughs) But anyway, the real solution to fixing Westerns is for Hollywood and book publishing and whoever else the gatekeepers are to just, (laughs) like, hand the reins over, if you'll pardon the pun, to the people Mm -hmm. whose stories were co-opted in the first place, like, let indigenous people tell stories. Let women tell stories. Let black people tell stories where they're not just suffering. Uh, let's have some stories about the Chinese people who built the infrastructure of the country. You know, like, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, middle-aged white woman, not my place. <laughs> so I decided that what I'm going to fix is my other problematic fave, and this one is less problematic and more unpopular, and that's the Star Wars prequels. Oh. So-
3: Okay. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm sensing big changes for
4: Jar Jar. No one has an opinion on that.
2: Yeah. yeah.
4: Um. So actually, no. I'll get to Jar Jar. So the thing is, like, literally everyone else born in the '70s, I have spent the last 20 years hating the Star Wars prequels. Um. Until last summer. Um. We were a few months into quarantine. My husband was working from home every other week. He was switching off weeks with his uh, co-worker so that they didn't have to share air. Um, And he had the week before my birthday off work. And so we were like, okay, we're going to watch one Star Wars movie a day for these nine days. We're going to eat an edible and we're going to watch them with an open mind right we're going to we're going to try to see what George was trying to do mm. with the prequels and we're going to see how the sequels fit in and we're we're just going to we're going to try to see it like it's new right which obviously is impossible because star wars is like part of my yeah. dna at this point um my name is literally an anagram of anakin which is not on purpose on my parents place but you know (laughs) so i thought okay what i want to do is i want to george lucas the prequels i want to go back Uh in and meddle with them the way he did with the original trilogy and fix the things that are still not working for me so in phantom menace i feel like the biggest problem is the racist accents yeah. The the Trade Federation.
0: Yeah. The Trade Federation is, is egregious.
4: I, I mean it's just it's so bad. It's preventing me from saying that yeah. the prequels are my favorite Star Wars movies because it is well, I put Jar Jar
1: right up there too, man. <laughs> I I, mean, I don't
4: yeah. like Jar Jar's voice. I would probably bring Ahmed Best in to, to do some ADR, but at least it was a black <clears> man throat> throat> and not a white British guy like the Trade yeah. Federation guys. Yeah. So my, my mm-hmm. first thing I would do is give all of those aliens who have racist accents alien languages.
1: Well, th- that was done. Isn't that what they did in the Phantom Edit?
4: I think so. I haven't watched it in so long. I think they did, and whether they did or not, I think it's the only option that works. Yeah. Um, I think that as annoying as Jar Jar is, and I'm not going to pretend that he's not, I think the real Gungan problem in that movie is Boss Nass. Because if Jar Jar is this sort of outlier Gungan, if he's the Gungan that all the other Gungans are like, oh, it's that fucking guy. Yeah. Then why is Boss Nass just as big of an idiot? Right? So with deepest apologies (laughs) to Brian Blessed, who it seems like was probably having a really good time. Absolutely not. We got to fix Boss Nass.
1: I think you can always, whatever the context is, Brian Blessed is having a very good time. He's just one of those people.
4: I I really (laughs) hope that's true. It certainly seems to be. Yeah, there would be a lot of of re-recording voices. Regretfully, not regretfully, I would cut down the pod racing scene from the, (laughs) like, eight and a half minutes that it currently is. (laughs) (laughs) Like... I'm sorry, if if your race scene is longer than November rain, uh it is too long.
1: What if you said it to November Rain? <laughs> oh, Ooh, yeah, like you ate the edible. Sync that stuff up, man.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty much all I would change with Phantom Menace. There are some other little tweaks, but you know. That's that's the the big thing I would change, is just some voice. Now,
1: Watto,
2: though. Oh, yeah.
1: That's
4: another one I would would redo his voice with an alien language.
1: I mean, I'll improve Phantom Menace enormously, but I still think then you're stuck with a movie about a trade dispute and an argument over tariffs that, hey, doesn't have gross racist stereotypes, but a lot of parliamentary procedures by film.
4: Totally fair. My ideal scenario would be to keep that as a totally separate, like, prequel to the prequels and actually have Attack of the Clones as the first movie, as episode one. Episode two, The Clone Wars. Yeah. And episode three, Revenge of the Sith. The Clone Wars, of course, would be not a movie that currently exists. You could take some Mm -hmm. stuff from the cartoon. You could make something up totally new. I don't have a pitch for that today. I could come up
2: with one. Yeah. But that's (laughs) the whole thing with the prequels. It's like, you really could, like you could chop off all of it. That was,
4: that was my very first thought at the time that we watched them was you don't actually need this. Especially because they
2: never, they never bring back Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. Which I think that is the biggest mistake of even like the sequel trilogy. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
2: Cause like to never, and I hope maybe the Obi-Wan series. Uh, I hope so because like, they do. I feel like Qui Gon Jinn was like the most important character that everyone just never talked about. They, they,
4: there is an episode of The Clone Wars where we find out mm-hmm. that Yoda yeah, has been communicating the, yeah. with him. So I feel like, yeah. yes, that just needs to be explored further. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Maybe there's some weird thing like Force ghosts have to be under six feet. So you you just you can't have Qui Gon.
2: <laughs> oh, interesting. The force won't allow it. Couldn't get on the <laughs> yeah. It's like pilots have yeah. to be short. <laughs>
4: so phantom menace being essentially irrelevant to the prequel trilogy that's pretty much all i would change is just like take out as much of the racism as possible attack of the clones i would add
1: take out the romance because that
4: attack of the clones i'm actually going to increase the romance
1: Such a believable story. (laughs) I would increase
3: increase the the romance romance and take out the
4: slapstick comedy nonsense. Like, see, three PO's whole thing where he loses his head, and it's like this. Yeah, just cut. Talk about cutting down a sequence. Like, I'll keep the pod race if I can get rid of the fucking factory, right? (laughs) Like, like you know, you can solve a little bit, but
1: but they need to complete that level to fight the final boss.
4: It felt like you were on uh, like a dark ride. You know, it was. It was like that whole sequence was just, they were just planning for the ride at the yeah. theme park. Yeah, I wouldn't actually change that much in Attack of the Clones. I would let Anakin be less of a creep so that we could see what Padme sees in yeah. him. And yeah. I would, in fact, increase the romance. Yeah. It's Revenge of the Sith where I'm going to make a ton of changes because we need to make the prequel trilogy match yeah. the original trilogy. And the things that I want to fix are going to seem kind of nitpicky. But I think it's going to fix the whole first six movies. We're not even going to talk about yeah. the sequel. So I want to fix the fact that Leia remembers their mom. And I want to fix the fact that Obi-Wan says Vader killed Anakin. And I think they're, mm-hmm. those are both really easy to do. Uh, one of them is more complicated than the other. The really easy one is that after Obi-Wan leaves Anakin on Mustafar, we never see him again. We do not see him become Darth Vader, so no. So <laughs> I know, I know. We lose the great no. Yeah, no, I,
1: I, I'm okay with that.
4: But I think it's worth yeah. it for the reveal in Empire.
1: Oh, so we don't because we think. you so Obi Wan, we never Vader see him again. Obi Wan, right. no. Okay, no, 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 no.
4: Obi Wan's just fucking lying. Okay,
1: because I like that. Cause...
4: He's
2: just and that,
1: lying. that
4: lie, he thinks that, that lie, he I'm
2: him. okay with. Yeah, that lie, I'm okay with.
4: Right. So the other thing, though, is when, I think it's in Jedi, when Luke asks Leia if she remembers her real mother, and she's like, yeah, Yeah. she was sad. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like Padme. Yeah. So what I want to have happen, and I don't know how you'd pull this off. I guess we could do some reshoots and de-age Natalie Portman. I want Padme and Bail Organa to grow closer over the course of the movie. And after she has the twins, you separate them. You send Luke with Obi-Wan and Padme and Bail Organa take Leia to Alderaan and raise her together until Padme eventually dies from the injuries from Anakin hurting her on Mustafar.
2: Yeah, I like the idea of like even just faking her death. Right. You fake
4: her death. You send her to Alderaan.
2: So Anakin and the Emperor are no longer looking for Padme.
4: Exactly. Like, all they know
2: is she's dead.
4: Exactly.
2: Yeah. And yeah, no, that sounds great. If you
4: know anything about the the bigger Star Wars world, like I'm literally erasing—I don't know how to pronounce her name—Queen Breha of Alderaan. Oh yeah, I'm her. But since I haven't read any of those books, I don't yeah. really care.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm only talking about the movies here, and I think that that would seamlessly blend the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy so that's yeah. my extremely long window Because
2: even like padme is another character it's like how dare you not even like acknowledge her in later movies yeah yeah it's like even when when jimmy smith shows up in rogue one exciting you're like oh hey these, these worlds are the same
4: I definitely screamed when he showed up.
2: Yeah, it was great, right?
4: I'm happy to say I did see it at home, so I wasn't disturbing the rest of the audience.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, just some acknowledgement of Padme and Qui-Gon in the sequel trilogy would have been nice.
4: Yeah. Nice. So that's my pitch. I I want to fix the prequel trilogy, which I inexplicably love. Um, so that the rest of the world can can appreciate it too.
0: Like I unabashedly love Attack of the Clones. Like it's probably my third favorite Star Wars. Oh movie. wow. Um, I th- like I think it's it's what I it's fun. It's it's adventure. I think the romance works as being emotionally stunted people. Well, and
2: if they played up a, a love triangle,
0: yeah, uh, like even without the love triangle thing, but like Anakin was a enslaved person turned warrior monk, so he's not going to have a real way to. Um, relate to people uh, especially in a romantic way well yeah padme has been literally raised as a politician so like yeah. if you have two people who are emotionally stunted right Trying yeah about like awkward. that romance yeah. works <laughs> except for the um him murdering the women and children and the, the tuscans and then like confessing it to padme and padme's like oh i love him um that doesn't work yeah, but yeah. other than that like, <laughs> yeah
2: he should have yeah, kept, kept that yeah if he kept
0: that a secret or if it was more vague about what the Tuscans were, like to Padme, did she just say, like, oh, he killed some wild animals? Like,
1: uh, like or it could just be like, I had to kill people. them. Yeah. yeah. It could be like the old, I had to kill them. She thinks it was self Yeah, he paints it. Because it like, they deserve like, to die. Yeah.
0: yeah,
2: yeah and no yeah, clones
1: yeah. for me. But yeah,
2: also, if you you have to change Phantom Menace because his upbringing doesn't seem so bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he Technically, he's a slave. Yeah, on paper. But he's like, he's free to come and go. He. To build his own mm. robot and his own
0: house,
4: like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely have not covered all of the problematic elements yeah. here.
2: <laughs> but even if you make his upbringing more like Conan the barber yeah, yeah, a,
0: rougher, that's that kind of
3: upbringing.
0: Thank you, Annika, for fixing the Starquels the starkles the Star Wars prequels, <laughs> uh, the starkles All right, let's call them that
3: from now on.
4: They're the Star-cools now. We're gonna let's wrap it up
0: here with Andy. Hit us with your fix.
1: All right. Well, uh, I, uh, we, we, we've we done Disney. We've done Fox. I'm going to bring it back to Burbank and uh, Warner Brothers, because here's my fix for problematic classic. For a long time, my favorite movie of all time has been Casablanca. It's It's in so many ways. It is perfect. Perfect comedy. Perfect romance. Perfect political thriller. And it's got a perfect cast. I mean... And let me call out one, Claude Rains. So perfect as Captain Louis Renault. And he's got like this great B story. It Rick's growth. They both go from selfish rogues who won't stick their neck out for anybody to the Kadima person who's going to sacrifice what they have to do what's right. Except there's just this one tiny little plot thread where uh Captain Louis Renault, you know, lovable scamp that he is, is blackmailing desperate women who are trying to escape Nazis. Yeah into having sex with him yeah, and it's yep. so easy to miss because claude reigns is just charming as all get out but i mean there's no way to get around yeah, the they fact
2: even show how broken they are yeah
1: well renault he is he is a serial rapist i mean you know yeah. it's it's everything short of putting a gun to their head of like you have to have sex with me or the nazis will get you and yeah. Renault isn't like strasser who's like the villain who deserves to die at the end. In the end, he redeems himself and he's going off with Rick to fight the Nazis at the end of the movie. So like he needs to be a redeemable character, but if he's doing this, you know, if he's sexually exploiting desperate refugees, well, that's not redeemable. So, and I mean, they really even bring that out there. I don't know if you remember, there's this little thread about the, the desperate Czech refugee, who is like asking Rick yeah. if it's okay if she sleeps with Renault and doesn't tell her husband because they need to, to get away. And that's when Rick helps Anina's husband cheat at the roulette wheel, which is a great moment. Cause it's our sign that Rick might actually be more noble than he's pretending heartache. to be. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not sure how to fix this. Cause I mean, it's, it, and you know, I don't have the genius of the Epstein brothers to fall back on, but you know, just we got to, you know, because I want I want Captain Rick to be like this nice guy going off with Rick at the end. So I'm guessing I mean, the way to fix it would be you would have to give Louis Louis an obsequious underling who can help expedite visas to America. Because there's also the sense that Louis, you know, he, he's using his authority to, like, basically sit back and do as little work as possible. So Louis has delegated this responsibility to the suck up underling because he doesn't care. It's, you know, it's more time out at Rick's Cafe American for Louis, And it'd also be this great contrast because you'd have this toting Lickspittle fawning over Louis, but Louis sees right through him. And, and what he wants is Rick's respect, not this other guy's respect. And it's cool because as the movie progresses, this underling can start sucking up more to Strasser and Strasser is going to fall for it because, you know, toadies naturally gravitate to whoever has the most power. And, you know, Nazis are, of course, flattered by anyone sucking up to them. So we have this underling who now he's getting pissed when Rick helps Anina uh, escape having, you know, his blackmail for sex scheme. And we can have the underline complain to Renault. And there'll be this nice ambiguity to Renault. Is he waking up to the horrors of collaborating with the Nazis? Or is he just fed up because this guy is incredibly annoying? And it also gives Renault a nice little extra choice at the end because if he could, He could blame Laszlo escaping. He could blame Strasser's death all on this jerk toady and go back to his life of comfortable collaboration. But no, this time he could get away with it, but he gives it all up to leave with Rick to fight the resistance. Now, as much as I love this, I know I can't really fix Casablanca, and it feels weird fixing a movie that is in many, many ways perfection. But So instead of this, we at least have to acknowledge there is this one not quite so perfect part to Casablanca, which is that uh, Renault, who is so utterly charming in his performance, but once you take a look at what he's actually doing, he's, he's a fucking monster. So that's my pitch for a problematic classic that needs a little fixing. And that's how I'd fix it.
2: I feel like you could add a scene where a refugee just like, like, puts a gun to his head and is like, stop doing this to women. Like I feel like you could like almost scare him straight in a way and he can realize like the shit he's been doing.
1: Oh, Renault? Yeah. 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 Like, like
2: you could he he tried he tried it on the wrong woman.
1: I get yeah, maybe. Suddenly, it's weird though, because I yeah. mean if you watch the movie, it's definitely played for last, you know? Like yeah. they say, Oh, we have another but woman he, with he, a visa problem that. and he's like spritzing on cologne and going, Send her yeah. in. But
2: but the fact that they made the Czech woman so like like at the bar and like broken and like they didn't paint that as like a romantic thing that was about to
1: happen. Yeah, true.
0: That's yeah. True. It's a weird acknowledgement that it's that it's. I guess the, the movie presents it as it's scummy, not evil. Yeah, which exactly.
1: Is yeah, because I mean, as good as that is, and yes, they they don't sugarcoat it. You feel for I think her name's Anina quite well. It ends with Renault going, I'm going to be here with the blonde tomorrow. I'd be very happy if she loses, which is like, yeah, yeah. Come on, Louis, do better.
2: Yeah. See, like, just have that blonde woman, that character, just give him his come up yeah. and, like, scare him straight. Almost like promising young woman stuff. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Good
0: thought. Or just kill him. Like, he gets, he, he gets shot at the end with Strasser. Yeah. I know we, we lose, like, kill an him.
1: iconic line, but. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. I. It's a force,
2: force ghost Renault, like walking off. Of-
1: yeah, Quadrains is short enough to be a, 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 yeah. a force ghost.
0: <laughs> I I feel like this this pitch on it is uh, based on my Monster Squad fix. Also, kind of a problematic realm is what if it's um, it's a cover that he, Renault is actually oh, yeah, gay was- and closeted, obviously, um, and uses this. Like, he doesn't actually force the women to do anything, but he pretends he has this game going as yeah. his cover of, like, oh, that sex pest captain, he's all right, according to the Nazis. Right. He's actually like,
2: he... yeah, because he's trying to be an equal to Right. right. So it's yeah. it's
0: all covered. But I feel like say make the character gay is also problematic.
2: Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're, way to go, Mike. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I mean, I guess if you'd shade it like he was being selfish, like he was using it to cover up, because. I don't know. We can't have her know secretly be noble at the end of the movie because the whole point is how he and Rick become new, noble through, right? Through you know right. through the whole Laszlo thing. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Okay. It, it yeah. Well, it uh, that would also add a nice little uh, ambiguity to the end yeah. too. Like you yeah. know, how yeah. beautiful a friendship are we talking here? Right.
2: I bet Rick, Rick. Yeah, Rick. Rick's worldly.
1: But any other panelists <laughs> want
0: to weigh in? Yeah. Oh. <laughs>
4: It's been so long since I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't remember it well
3: enough to fix it. I I would, I would only just add that I wish I had known about this gem podcast because that's problematic and I have a fix for that.
1: For the gem (laughs) podcast?
3: (laughs) No, the the gem uh, movie because oh, you all had a podcast about oh. a
1: movie. Jumping back to the beginning of the episode,
0: yeah, yeah. Grand Geek gathering. Uh, yeah, Tyler and Sam, I think did like
1: why it's great when they talked about the Gem and the Holograms movie. Oh, um, huh, because I've uh, heard the Josie and the Pussycats movie is great. This oh is my the god, that one I I, 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 am, I just
0: confused true. the two. I think the podcast is about Josie and the Pussycats. Oh,
3: look at you. Oh, okay, you know, that is Enjoyable. what they talked about. Yes, for sure, because I remember hearing about that one. But no, Jem is, is, I don't know anyone who right. saw it. And if they did, the only feelings they have are in line with mine, which is that it's garbage. Wow,
0: I can't, wow, I'm, I'm problematic. I just keep yeah. just the with and the Cats with Jem and the holograms. The
3: nerve. Oh, How I'm many girl, girl bands in. are there, I really?
0: Know. Literally, there's two. <laughs> um i don't know tramp stamp is trending on tiktok i don't know if that's true but i've I've, i fell into a rabbit hole of watching videos about how tramp stamp which is a new pop punk girl group is just an industry plant and they're just awful um yeah
1: and anyway look into tramp Stamp. i I hate those like industry plant things because it's like first of all it's usually all women who get accused of being this and it's like really you're not allowed to get help from anybody who knows how the music business works or you're somehow impure right. that, I don't right. know. I mean, I don't know Tramps yet. maybe if I started yeah. listening to them, I'd hate them, but I just,
2: well, yeah. What is selling out at this? Day
1: yeah. Night? This, at
0: this point, like the music yeah. industry, like band, this is now a music podcast. Um, bands have to sell out in order to survive. Like they don't make yeah. money on their music anymore. They're, you gotta, you gotta license your, your song to a Toyota commercial in
1: order to like, just live to get it played yeah yeah and yeah. i've never heard that accusation leveled at a guy i've heard it lana del rey billy mm-hmm. eilish these guys uh was a tramp, Stops? tramp Stops. am i wrong in that um no oh, you might be right yeah. yeah yeah
2: i mean i guess backstreet boys in sync
1: new kids justin bieber
2: new yeah. new edition. Play bands
4: yeah. were Everybody
2: knew that those were
4: bands that were manufactured by a producer. Hmm. And there have been girl bands like that. But that that seems okay, right? the beginning of the music industry, too.
0: Yeah. I think it's the people resent, and and it probably is some level of misogyny, that people resent any kind of fakery. So if it's seen as like, oh, this singer was doing country music um and recorded an album but it didn't sell so they've repackaged her as a punk princess and put her with this other person that we had signed who's also a singer songwriter who did like you know more pop stuff and we've just made this band um when it's like feels inauthentic because they don't talk about like their backgrounds where it's supposed to be like oh we're just like three pals hanging out in a room recording ourselves
1: on our cell phones and we're gonna
0: we're yeah. gonna Justin Bieber it. But,
1: but it's never that. I mean, anytime you scratch the surface of the DIY band, you know, even if they did start, you know, they get help along the way. Otherwise, we never would have heard of them, yeah. you know.
4: Also, who mm-hmm. among us has not just failed to mention something we're embarrassed about from our past? Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. If yeah, if you come out of the womb perfectly formed and sticking to one genre, then that seems even more inauthentic.
1: Well, plus like, here's the thing I made and here's a complete dossier of everything I did prior to it. So, you know, if you can enjoy it or not, I mean, you know, here's, here's my list of sins to, uh, please don't don't make me write
4: another resume.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What you want me to upload my resume? It's it's the anti-resume. It's everything you need to know. (laughs) So you can still feel justified liking my stuff. Right. And on that
0: note, I want to thank our panelists here for being on this episode. This was a lot of fun. Um, uh, for our outro, I want to give each of our panelists the uh, opportunity to plug anything you need to plug. So uh, let's go, um, Annika, uh, plug anything you want to plug. Well, as I already
4: said, I have a story in the current issue of Asimov Science Fiction. And uh, you can find all of my published stories on my website, which
0: is
3: com. Sweet. All
0: right, Sandra, plug away.
3: Yeah, I'm with the Story Geeks. So you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at the Story Geeks. You can also find us on YouTube. Um, Just look for the Story Geeks and our channel. We talk every Tuesday, just have a live hangout talking about uh, whatever new geekery we've got going on. And you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I am at Hey, it's Sander D. Okay. Yehudi, plug away.
0: Uh, Yeah, I
2: have a new middle-grade graphic novel memoir called Chunky that comes out June 22nd, and I need everyone within earshot to buy it. Buy
0: it, everybody. Uh, Yeah, and if you go to
2: mychunky.com, it goes to the link to where you can purchase it in various locations. But yeah, I'm really proud of this one. It's a memoir, so it's about me growing up as a lower-middle-class Mexican Jew in Houston with a weight problem
1: it's chunky.com the the url was available
2: uh my chunky my, my chunky
1: chunky.com. Oh, my chunky it's yeah. com. take you
0: somewhere
3: else safe search off all
4: right well i have an 11 year old so right. i will be there oh, nice. that, and, for uh, him.
3: that might nice. be very similar to a nickname my mother lovingly gave me as Mexican zoo, give you a jacked up nickname yeah. so i might need it to <laughs> yeah remind me of the days
2: yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah day. i've been called don gordo many a time. <laughs> oh yeah yeah
3: Aww.
1: all right
0: andy plug away <laughs>
1: Well, I, I'm just so white, I assumed my Chunky would have been taken by some artisanal peanut butter company, you know, but uh, I'm glad it wasn't. I'm glad it wasn't. Um, all my stuff, com, And if I can plug Not Me, I actually just read Taifu by Yehudi yes, Mercado, hey. and it's an amazing combination of hip-hop and the whiz and kung fu, and uh, definitely get it. Thanks. Awesome. Hey, no problem. Thanks for writing it. <laughs>
2: I'm working on book two as we speak.
0: That's good news. And that is from what publisher? Oni Press. Oh, speaking of Oni Press, he, myself, and I, Michael Tanner, my new series is up for pre-order right now. Uh, It drops in July, but it's in previews right now. Uh, Orcs in Space, it's a series uh, created by Justin Roiland from Rick and Morty and uh, Abed gaith and his brother rashad uh it is about three lovable idiot orcs who end up going into space orcs in space up for pre-order now please pre-order it um i would like to make more of these books so please <laughs> also Abed, yeah, Abed, frequent Abed guest. Gaith, a frequent guest on this show um and uh you can follow me on twitter at mike is ernie at twitter you know how twitter works.com uh you have been listening to burn after pitching from the grand geek gathering network please check out our website GrandGeekGathering com or org i always get it wrong but you can find all our articles links to the other (laughs) podcasts um follow us on all the social medias you know how social media works our outro music our intro and outro outro music is done by carlisle laurent uh this has been burn after pitching and don't forget to ggg